everyone. Welcome to another episode of SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. I've got my co-host Gabe Grossman here. G'day, Gabe. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Really excited to introduce our guest today, Patrick, coming straight out of Ahrefs. I think it's awesome. We've been pretty fortunate, Russ, in the sense that we've had a lot of great guests already in this podcast, early days. But generally speaking, the types of guests that we've brought on have been people who are working at really big brands and they're working as in-house SEOs. I think, Patrick, you bring a lot of different skills to where you currently work, which is Ahrefs, which is one of the most popular SEO tools on the market. Certainly one of my favorite tools. First of all, welcome to the podcast. But secondly, we'd love to learn a little bit more about you and kind of what you do. And we'll get to that in a moment once you answer this big question. But firstly, for the people who just tuned in for the first time, we do this every fortnight. As Gabe just mentioned, you know, uh, enterprise level SEOs, best practice SEOs, they get under the hood, tell a bit about how they execute for their brands. If you've enjoyed this, we've had a bunch of people write us reviews already. We love your five-star reviews. Put them everywhere. Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, tell your nan, just say nice things about us. Patrick, we're so happy to have you here. Your, your resume looks amazing. But the first question we ask everyone is, what is the number one biggest challenge that SEOs face in 2022? Probably just lack of time and resources, I would say. I think everyone is busier than ever. Lots of companies manage to realize the internet is a thing and they should be on the internet. So there's so much demand for SEOs. I have people ask me literally every single day, do I know anyone looking and looking? They're always looking for specific things like someone for technical, someone for local, anyone with in-house experience. Uh, so hiring is a real challenge and, and we're hearing the same thing too. Like I ran a couple of local meetups here and they're all reaching out. All the local companies are like, who do you know who's in the market? I'm like, we're not running events right now. I'm not really sure. Like it's, it's, it's awkward, but I think that's the struggle everyone is having is just getting more people on because the work is there. Like the work is exploding and we need more people than ever. And I feel like we just, we don't have a pipeline of a lot of new talent coming in right now. Really interesting you say that. I, I think, um, Russ, the situation is very similar here in Australia. There is a, it's a shallow talent pool. And I think if anything, and, and maybe you felt the same over in the US, the pandemic has probably sped up people's realizations that, you know what, we've got to start taking our online really seriously. You know, a lot of, a lot of businesses, their brick and mortars shut down over the pandemic for obvious reasons. And so all the spending was shifting online. And if you didn't have your SEO sorted, well, you know, potentially you were left in the dust. So a lot of businesses now are seeing the importance of making sure that they've got their SEO in the right place. Patrick, can you maybe just give, I'm sure the people listening to this podcast, they would use the tool, they'd know the site, but can you give just a quick little elevator pitch for what Hrefs is? And then I'd love you to answer Gabe's question around what your day looks like in your day to day. I mean, I have a feeling the people watching know who Ahrefs <laughs> is, who we are. Been around, what, 10 years now. One of the prominent, I guess, SEO tool suites. We kind of do pretty much everything you would need as far as SEO goes. Uh, as far as me, let's see. Uh, well, you know, we're talking about enterprise in-house. I worked at one of the biggest brands in the world for about four years. That was IBM. Yep. And now I've been at uh, Hrefs a couple years, more than two years now, and mostly sort of working technical SEO. As far as Hrefs, I think I wear a bunch of different hats. Like you said, you know, I do some product prototyping, product advising, which is kind of like 
you know, this is what I think people will want, or let me go talk to some people. Let's see what we want to do, what we want to add, what we want to change, how we can make this better. I work on the website. Uh, I write content. I go and speak places, mostly remote these days. <laughs> so a lot of different things. What's, what's your favorite part of the job? You'd be going and just do one thing for the morning. What oh, I would. Like to kick off the day with? I would die if I did one thing. That's why I like this job. I <laughs> <laughs> get to do a lot of different things. I, I think it, I think Russ has got to be one of the more exciting SEO roles, right? Like we love SEO. We love the optimization aspect. But when you shift over to one of those big players, you know, we think of Ahrefs as probably the Swiss army knife of SEO tools, right? Alongside a couple of others, you, you can practically do everything within the tool. It's become indispensable as far as most people's like SEO process. And so for you to then have transferred from that big agency or that big, I guess, in-house environment over to uh, Ahrefs where you've got that multivariate kind of role, right? Where you're, you're still optimizing the website, still working on the website. You're also working with such a popular tool that's like universally loved, I suppose, by SEOs everywhere. That must have been pretty thrilling for you. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm a huge Ahrefs fanboy. have been for years. Yeah. I, I've used it probably since 20. 13 or so back when I was actually still at an agency and all through my time at IBM and everything like I'm a big fan of the product also if I could ask like um, what was the the SEO situation of Ahrefs when you started like you know I think you've been there for over two years is that correct how would you say that the tool or the website has changed maybe since the day you arrived versus right up to now it was an interesting situation to come into because usually when when People bring me into things that everything is on fire and everything is broken and, you know, they just did massive migrations and suddenly don't have title tags. They No one did redirects. We're on this new JavaScript platform for whatever reason. With Ahrefs, it was none of that. Uh, you know, it's a growing company, growing fast, great people. At, they know what they're doing at S, for SEO. They know what they're doing for product. Uh, I think generally as far as product marketing and content marketing like we're, we're literally like a case study and and used as a great example i think and i'm not just saying this because you're our guest today i've been saying this for a long time but the ahrefs blog is probably one of if not my favorite seo blog any blog out there like literally every article you talk about in seo you talk about the idea of quantity sorry quality over quantity and not just necessarily pushing out content. We know we know content attracts people and it ranks and it all does all these wonderful things. But ultimately, like you want to prioritize the quality of every article, and you can see the amount of time and energy and input that goes into every article because they're not just regurgitating information that is is already out there, which a lot of SEO blogs fall into that trap because you know the content is so saturated out there. You know, every topic is done to death. Every time you open one of those posts. Like I personally learned something new. Um, and just to that point, I literally shared, I think one of your latest articles this morning in our internals, like Slack channel around changes in title tags and different case studies that were done and tests that were done in, in the real world to analyze, you know, what percentage of title tags are Google rewriting. It's a very hot topic right now in SEO. Uh, and so if anyone hasn't seen it, I encourage you to jump on that blog and, and have a look around because there's so much good content out there. 
Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and you're right. It's uh, it's a lot of work that goes into each of those. Um, I think I reviewed like two different blogs today for people actually just commenting on uh, changes they can make. So it's it's a whole editorial process from the outlining to the writing and, and multiple people are involved, like multiple SEOs, not necessarily myself, but a lot of times, especially if it's a technical topic, will include me. But the, the, I don't know, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting situation in that most of the time when people are writing, they don't have an expert involved. You know, I, I think really to make great content, it takes a lot of people. You need someone that knows what they're talking about. You know, you need that expert, those uh, insights. You need someone to do the research. That's typically an SEO. You need someone that knows how to write. You need probably an editor to like really clean things up. And I don't think SEOs typically have all of those pieces in place. You're, you're lucky if you get one or two of them. Sometimes it's like the SEO that's also doing the writing that has to fake expert insights by reading, regurgitating what's already out there. And uh, I think that one of the reasons that our content is different is that we we legitimately have experts writing it we have all these reviews all these processes in place to make sure like everything we say is is accurate has has all the insights has personal case studies personal processes involved i i really love our content too i'm i'm really happy with it yeah it's awesome and i think Honestly, I would I would almost use your process. Like I, I know you've written some articles on the blog itself about you know how you approach content marketing at Ahrefs specifically, and I think the blog has been used as a case study in terms of like how it's been driving traffic growth. If you were to, uh, this is a little bit off topic, but almost, but if you were to kind of go into say an in-house role or work at an agency. How do you think you'd go about recreating that process at, at a brand level? And is it even possible? As you said, there's so many different resources that you can tap into at Ahrefs because they understand the value of what you're doing. But yeah, how, how would you even attempt something like that? So I, I actually did go through this whole process at, at IBM. And the biggest difference was really lack of buy-in, lack of resources, and I think lack of belief. What what finally got the projects rolling was mapping out how we integrate with everything. I mean, social channels, paid, the content team, like literally getting everyone involved, map out everything that's going to happen, and then getting resources as far as uh, the time of experts. I learned fast, like, experts they're not the one that are going to write the content if they do it's going to be above everyone's head and it's not going to be good content and it was the same with videos too we actually uh did a bunch of videos in cloud that were ended up being amazing but we kind of had to script everything as far as like this is what i need you to talk about this is what i need you to do and for videos it was great like they could just roll with it pretty much but with content what we found was like no one likes to write. <laughs> the expert is busy being the expert. They don't have time to write. They don't necessarily want to write. If you find an expert that's a good writer, that's a unicorn. I don't know that I found one of those yet. Uh, but if you do, like, let them write all they want. What we ended up doing was just either interviewing them ahead of time or hopefully having them review the content before it went live. And that was their chance to say, like, you said this stupid thing here. Or like, here's some actual like insights, some things that I would add. 
I think the part that if I had to a redo after being at Ahrefs, I think the part that was missing is that a lot of the folks that were involved in the content process didn't have the product knowledge. So we should have been using that informational content to like sell our product repeatedly and showcase the product and use cases. And I think that would be the biggest miss and, and regret that I would have as far as that content. That's so interesting. One thing that's struck me in this conversation and a bunch of other conversations that we've had, just around the way you spoke about it then, Patrick, in terms of like actually mapping out visually, like all of the different parts of the business and different marketing channels that are touched on with SEO these days. This is like a genuine question. I don't know the answer. Is an SEO's role more broadly across other parts of a business and other marketing activities in 2022 than it was in 2015? Or are we just getting better at understanding and how, how we need to communicate that to people? Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably the getting better at communicating and just yeah. working with these other teams. Um, a lot of times, for instance, paid teams in- in-house have the big budgets, have the buy-in. Mm-hmm. They're a lot easier to track and show ROI. And I think in many cases, SEO teams aren't good at showing their value or how how you can integrate them. You know, like you've got this content, you get people in there, you start remarketing to them. That's a huge value add to the company. Now you've basically got this person that you can advertise to. They already came in on a page that tells you exactly what they're interested in and you, you've got them in their, your pipeline. Uh, you've probably got a cookie for them. You can track them across different properties. Uh, so it's, it's getting all of that, I guess, just integrated in a way that, that makes sense. It, it, it really is an easier sell, I think, than people make it out to be. Mm. But like trying to figure out how the pieces fit together, I, I think is the harder part. This is just such an interesting conversation because like, you're right. You know, paid media specialists, people who are working with budgets who are historically, I guess it's been easier for them to just prove some ROI for it. They, they're better at selling it. Like, and, you know, if you look at some of the really, we've had some really good quality SEOs, some superstar SEOs on this show. And the ones that were able to get that C-level buy-in and that CEO buy-in are the ones that have been able to communicate the value, you know, so much more strongly. You know, we do this, we've generated this already in, in dollars or in pipeline value, whatever it is. Now we've got that confidence from you. Here's where we can take it. So there's probably also some kind of soft skills for SEOs or there's an opportunity for people to be upskilled in this, I believe. A lot of it is the communication style. If you're dealing with the C-suite, for instance, you know, you go in there talking rankings, keywords, you already failed. Yep. You talk money, you talk pipeline, you talk conversions. And now, now you're speaking their language. You've got their attention. Yeah, 100%. So just harking back to when you kicked off at Ahrefs. So you went from... IBM in-house, you've come to Ahrefs, you've seen this amazing team, all these resources you can pull on. In that first 90 days, what were the, like, the key actions? Was there one or two things that you, you did that you know, you're able to, to really move the needle or did you just sit back and, and kind of take it all in? <laughs> Being a technical SEO, they wanted me to do a technical audit first off. You know, we, we had only a few things, like some canonical issues, some like parameterized pages that were no indexed. Hreflang, because Hreflang is hard, <laughs> like even for experienced SEOs, Hreflang is hard to get right. Processes for how we can do better with like internal linking. I was pushing hard like translated content because that's that's one of the things I saw was uh, kind of a weakness at Hrefs is lots of English content, not so much in other languages. And to be fair, like when I 
looked at the competitors like SimRush, they were, they were doing great for other languages. And I was like, we should be doing more of that. You know, when I, when I worked at IBM, I saw that repeatedly. One of the easiest strategies translates successful content into other languages and it works. Is this then like a, I mean, there's a translation, which is fine, but a direct translation doesn't always necessarily compute to the way (laughs) people speak and the way they, or even the way the, the phrase that's used in another country. So there's a few layers there you need to put together are they not oh yeah yeah you can't do direct translations it's gonna sound super weird (laughs) as far as that goes what we ended up doing i think is we we ended up trading out some like hrefs licenses to some of our users that are also seos so they are the ones that are actually like translating our content they're already seos they already use our platform so i think that was a really good uh good fit That is so smart. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so you're like marshalling like a team of external SEOs to kind of essentially like work for you. That is so clever. Yeah, I I think that works better. Uh, you know, I, I've saw this done many different ways in the past and I can't say that I agreed with, with any of them or was happy with the results. You know, the results definitely could still be there, but like someone... I don't know. There's a lot of weird things with, with languages, with translation, with localization, uh, that <laughs> there can just be so many issues. I don't, I don't know if we could talk about that for a whole episode, probably. We, I, we probably could. And I'm tempted just to give you one quick question, not make the entire podcast about it, but because it's such a hot topic right now, I get asked all the time about international SEO. And you've already touched on just slightly there about hreflang and localization of content and so on. And what was your process and, and how well did it work? Because I, I find just from experience with international SEO, it can be a little bit hit and miss in terms of the way in which Google responds. Even if you do everything right, you're essentially like asking Google to make sense of your content and localize it, or at least geotarget it appropriately. And it's not a straightforward process. So what was your experience? We actually had a lot of success with it at Ahrefs. But also failures. You know, Tim actually the other day, I think, tweeted out, uh, we, we've got a new report that shows kind of how many pages are like getting getting traffic versus, or like they're bucketed into, you know, this is zero traffic, this is zero to 100, 100 to 1,000, whatever our buckets are. I don't know if he tweeted that publicly, maybe not. Uh, but internally, one of the things we noticed was that a lot of our translated content is actually in that zero bucket. So I think we need to be a little more strategic on, you know, what we are translating. We kind of started doing like, we, we did some of the more popular posts initially. And then I think we just kind of went to translating everything. And that's probably more than we should be translating. There may not be market demand for a lot of that stuff. We're going to kind of look into that now because, whoops, uh, we might have been wasting a little resources there. So do you think that, is that like, is that poor content or is it just content that's not suitable for that local audience? Like is it poorly translated content or content that just doesn't have a need with that audience? I really hope it's not poorly translated considering yeah. they're all native speakers that are also SEOs yeah, uh, that, that also speak, you know, English. So yeah. I hope that's not the case. It may just be, you know, lack of market demand for certain topics. You know, even some of the things we write in English. I don't know that there's a huge amount of demand for, and it it could also just be that like we didn't rank and it, it happens even with English content occasionally. Like we do pretty well, like generally we can hit page one for like pretty much any topic, but yeah, occasionally yeah. there is, 
there are things where, you know, we just miss the mark, maybe miss the intent, left out some important information. That's why, you know, it's probably one out of every five or so blogs that we publish is actually just a rewrite. Like someone had an idea to expand on this or uh, adding additional information, additional viewpoints, another reviewer looking at it, just coming up with new ways to add value, I guess, to the content. Yeah, can I jump in with one more? I know you've got a couple of questions there. But just while we're on this, like, you know, your hits and your misses and that sort of stuff, has there ever been a piece of content that you've just been like, this just blows my mind. I can't wait to share this. I think this is amazing. And then you write it, you're so proud of it, you put it out there and it just doesn't connect. Like, have you ever had a piece like that? That doesn't connect with people or with Google? Oh, that's a good point. Let's say uh, either either, you choose. I think actually the very first post that I wrote for Ahrefs did really well with users and still gets constantly shared on social. Yeah. It was a big guide on page speed. Uh, this was pre like core web vitals, but it was really, uh, really detailed. I think it was like 9,000, 9,500 words going through like everything from infrastructure to how the browser processes the page and like how to actually improve a lot of the stuff. Again, pre-core web vitals. It never hit page one for like page speed or anything. It's it's mostly because the intent is different, I would say. Like mine was, here's how all this works and how you can improve. And like all the page one stuff is like, here are tools to test page speed. Gotcha. Sorry, Dave, I know you've got some. No, no, absolutely. And just just on that, I mean, I think one of the the powers of your brand, of Ahrefs, this speaks to the importance of having like a tremendous brand that people love, right? Is that you don't necessarily, correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't necessarily need your content to rank on page one. I mean, you've got this huge database of users, of subscribers, of people who are tapped in, of people who, who love and want to share your content over social media. So even if you're not necessarily getting the eyeballs on page one of Google. You have this big subscriber base that are going to read it and that are going to you know, find value in what you're writing. Is that the case? Yeah, the educational content like that um, usually does really well. Almost every week, I'd say we end up with one or two posts in, in various SEO newsletters being talked about on different shows. It helps, but obviously we also want to rank <laughs> because that's going to be a constant stream, constant pipeline of users. All the content that we do pretty much shows like what use cases are within the tool. So like we're, we're that's basically part of our, a big part of our product marketing is the written content, the YouTube videos, we're just constantly showing like it's informational and then, you know, here's how to actually do things within the tool. And that was going to be a follow-up question of mine because oftentimes when we're writing or we're thinking about writing for a client, you know, there's a lot of search demand at a topical informational level, but connecting that necessarily to the product that the client sells or the service that they provide, sometimes it's a little bit disconnected, right? It's more at a topical level. Maybe you're introducing something, but you're not necessarily then connecting the dots so that the user goes, okay, I want to buy that product or subscribe to that service. It sounds like a lot of the content developed within your blog is very much about showcasing the product. So at the same time as you're introducing something, you're educating people, you're also specifically educating them in how they can, you know, whether it you know, be improve their site speed or improve on a technical issue or, you know, do, do something to improve their website. 
you're going, this is, this is what this means. This is why it's important for SEO, but at the same time, this is how our tool solves the problem. So is, is that primarily the way in which you approach topics? Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty much everything is like, we even rate, uh, when we're pitching articles, we even rate them by, you know, how much business value, business impact do we think this would have? That's cool. But it's, it's pretty much, you know, everything that we write as far as related to SEO, we have something for it. We have something to show, but the, yeah, the whole, the entire content strategy and the product, the product marketing is, is all really integrated. Uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, like we are used for case studies for that and, and really for good reason. It's my personal opinion. I haven't seen it done better anywhere else. You talked a bit about, you know, unicorns before, you know, the, the, uh, the people are great on the tools and they're also great writers. But I think like another one, it sounds like you've got a, like a whole herd of unicorns or I don't know what the, the plural is there, where you've got SEOs who are, you know, commercially kind of revenue, they can look through a revenue lens at what they're doing and have that overlay with still really great information that users are going to want. They're kind of overlapping there. It's not something from my experience that you see a lot in SEOs, it, you know, it, it, being able to sort of pin both those things, two things together. What do you reckon, Gabe? Yeah, precisely. I think this is one of the challenges in SEO. There are so many. And what people sometimes fail to recognize is that some of the challenges in SEO aren't even the execution. It's not even the work necessarily. It's the buy-in. It's the having all the resources. It's, you know, so many different pieces of the puzzle need to come together and fit perfectly in order to get the outcome for the client. And this is where perhaps SEO can get a bad rap. It's because people sometimes fail to recognize exactly what's involved when it comes to achieving success, uh, which I think is a big part of what we're trying to showcase here in our podcast for us is like SEO success stories. It's like, how do you actually get that success? And one of the things you touched on just slightly before, Patrick, when you're putting your articles together, or at least like you're mapping out that content calendar, one of the things that you touch on is business impact. And I'd be keen to understand if I could, how do you go about like forecasting and how do you go about then measuring the business impact, particularly in content, which as I said before, content can be very educative and it doesn't necessarily always directly lead to a conversion. Like it can be like quite a distance away from the end conversion. So how do you go about kind of having those conversations internally? Well, it's not really conversations. Uh, the the buy-in is really strong. Obviously, we're an SEO tool, so everyone's bought into SEO. We don't really have to do any forecasting. Like we'll usually put like a number for you know maybe estimated traffic, but it's more like what opportunities do we have to kind of showcase to the tool? What information can we include? And it's not to say like if if a post has zero business impact, but it's still valuable for users. Something that like we think we have an interesting idea, or like we can explain this or kill some myth. We're still gonna write it. But yeah, no real forecast. If if y'all have listened to our CMO Tim, like there's not much tracking. Uh, this has been a big change coming from you know big brand where every little thing was tracked. Pretty much what we look at is does revenue go up? Are customers happy? As long as those things are happening, like we're we're kind of good. But we're not we're not tracking every little thing. We don't we. I mean, obviously we have like Search Console and all, but. I think for the longest time, there wasn't even an analytics tag on our website. Uh, and still, like, there is analytics, but it's rarely used for anything. Uh, it's not always even running. 
that's so interesting. And it, I feel like that's, especially in the, like the B2B and the tech space where you've got like so much of what you do as a marketer for a brand is like building that brand equity, building that brand awareness. How are you going to get out there? And, you know, Chris Walker from Refine Labs talks lots about, okay, well, everyone else is addicted to these, you know, these MQL metrics or these other kind of tiny little metrics that may or may not end up in revenue. But, you know, the leading brands, especially in SaaS and the like, are, are building their brand. They're getting in front of their customers via YouTube and podcasts and all these sorts of things. So when those, you know, when people are coming through to them, they're much more ready to buy. They're getting a much lower volume of just shitty MQLs that aren't going to go anywhere. And it's just a, a focus on brand equity, you know, and having trust in the product that you have is going to do a great job as long as you can communicate it out to the public of getting them to come in and, and convert into, into revenue. You know, we're a small team. It, it, I think people would be surprised. I think we might be 70, 75 people now at Ahrefs. Compared to the size of the platform, like that's not a lot of resources. Now we could... In total. Is that right? Um, well, wow. Okay. And that, yeah. that's a lot of people were brought on uh, were brought on because of the search engine. I, I think when I started, we were like 50 people. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's kind of grown a bit, but like not, it's still not a huge company compared to like SimRush with like a thousand employees or whatever. Yeah. Moz at one time was, I don't know, 350. I don't, I don't know how many they have anymore. But yeah, it's so like we could hire someone to like do analytics and do tracking and figure all this stuff out. Or we could just spend our time like making the product better, making another post, making another video. Uh, we, we know the strategies we're doing are working and we can always do more, but like we're again, small team. So resources are limited. And I kind of like the fact that they, they cut out the, the, there's, there's no like reporting. There's no, and I'm used to having an analytics team and literally like everything is tracked and I got to argue to like have tags on pages and, uh, none of that. So that's, that's a lot of time saved that is, I think better spent doing other things. It sounds like you've got this real like get stuff done mentality, which I just love. I, I kind of gravitate towards almost not small businesses, but small teams for that reason. It's like everyone's there for a purpose. There's no fluff. There's no unnecessary layers of bureaucracy that you need to contend with. Everyone's just kind of on the ground floor working. Um, it sounds like you've got that culture, which is awesome. Oh yeah, it's great. It's a refreshing change. There's like no blockers anywhere and... Uh, there's a lot of, of freedom to to do things. Like if it's a good idea, people are going to do it. Like we're going to get it done. We're going to get it done fast. Then we're going to go into the next idea. Just, just on ideas, I guess it's such a good tool, right? And it does so much already. Are you guys like scrambling? Like what does the future of this product look like? How do we make it better? Because that's always a big question, right? How, how does it get better? How do we make it more useful? Like how do we find new and exciting features that are going to continue to, to make the tool relevant? Do, do you kind of scratch your head ever and go like, what do we do? Or do you guys have a very clear vision for, for the next step, the next iteration of the product? I mean, the, the iteration is happening with, uh, with our new infrastructure, our 2.0 reports. Uh, they're extremely fast. We're getting all the filters. We're getting like anything that we missed, you know, maybe with the previous generation or our cool ideas. It's all kind of going in there. There's all kinds of other tools. The roadmap is amazing. 
you know, again, it'll take us time to get through it. Like, I, I have no doubt that the stuff that's currently on the roadmap will be done, you know, in the next several years because there are so many great ideas and so many cool things out there. Uh, a lot of the things that I add personally are more like quality of life kind of things for SEOs. I kind of want to automate SEOs jobs so that, you know, they have less manual work to do. Because I think that's uh, that's one of the things where Ahrefs could be better is right now the data is great. You can filter it. You can fit it towards your processes, make new processes. But generally you're, you're doing those processes because you want an answer. And I want us to get to the point where we're just kind of giving you the answer or potentially even doing the implementation for you, not as like services, but as automated implementation. Cool. I have two main questions off the back of that. One is more of an observation, I guess, than a question. Because I suppose if I was in your shoes, just, just to that point, there's so many good case studies and articles now of SEOs who are taking data and then they're manipulating it in Google Sheets and creating pivot tables and doing this and doing that. And you almost go, wait, I can see why they're doing that. But that's a whole process that they need to undergo that could take you know, an hour, two hours of time. If we can just make it so that at the click of a button, literally our tool does the exact same thing for you, but removes all of those intermediary steps and essentially just, as you said, automates that process. Like that's a huge win, right? So do you almost look at that and go, we can just make that so much more efficient? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of really cool opportunities for pretty much every product. Uh, you know, things around content, things around links, all the technical there's, there's, I'm really looking forward to the the future for like technical because we have things like, uh, uh, HTML rewriter from Cloudflare. We have edge workers. Basically we can take the data and do implementation on people's, well, not necessarily their servers, but still changing it before it's sent to like users or bots. So if we see something like you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier about Google rewriting title tags. We released a couple of tools to like measure and say like, you know, is the title actually different? Uh, did it change on the SERP was the first one we, we looked at. So historical data, did the title change? Then we did another one. Is it actually different than what's on the page? Cause people were curious about that, but I, I wrote a script. Uh, we, I don't know if this will even make it in the product or some variation, but I actually use like Python machine learning to determine how much that title changed. Basically, like how much did Google rewrite this? How different is it now? And I use like a, I think it was a Roberta model. So a BERT model uh, works across many languages. And basically now you're, you're getting an idea of how much did this change rather than uh, you know, which ones do they change? And I got to look through this list. It's, it's like, if they change this one a lot, that's probably what the one I want to prioritize, like looking at, maybe I could even use that to write a new title tag. That's better. And then implement that with workers for people. It's insane. What was so phenomenal about that for me was Google basically like rewrote the rules as they like to do pretty much overnight. It's like all of a sudden we're starting to see this infiltration of you know, a change in title tags in the SERP that we never asked for and like SEOs are scrambling to make sense of it. And then virtually at the click of a fingers, you've got Ahrefs and going, hey, we can help out with that. And uh, here's the, here are all the title tags that have changed and here's what they used to look like. And it's like, wow, that's, that's a godsend, you know, because just for me personally, I had a client that saw a dip in traffic. And as I was doing a deep dive, I started to consider, well, is this traffic reduction, how much of this has been caused by this title tag rewrite? 
And then I used your tool and it became very apparent that the pages that were dropping in traffic was because Google was starting to essentially pick up the H1 hitting, which was never intended to be used as a title tag. And mm -hmm. the CTR, the click-through rate of those pages just took a nosedive. And it was like, here was it in the data in black and white. It wasn't a hypothesis anymore because we had the data to substantiate what it was that we were thinking. And it was all thanks to the tool. Hey, this is a genuine question. And, and this, as we talk more and more about, you know, tools like Ahrefs and others, like automating some of the grunt work that SEOs are doing, taking out the painful stuff. I'm a, I'm a DJ, right? A DJ for 10 years back in the day. And I remember as I'm an old vinyl, old school vinyl DJ. And I remember as CDJs came in and then MP3s and all these things, and they started to automate lots of the stuff that the DJ did. You had those old school DJs who were like, but you're doing it all for me. I want to be able to, you know, touch and feel and do it. And then you had, honestly, the much more talented DJs going, great, thanks for letting me, for doing all that boring stuff. Now I can do way more experimental stuff. Now I can actually, my creativity can go wild because you're doing that stuff and I can do more. My question is, do you see the same thing happening where your not so good SEOs are going to go, oh, wow, you're taking away a big chunk of my job. What do I do now? And the really good SEOs get to start separating because a lot of the grunt work is gone. Well, I think it's more, I wouldn't say it's, you know, necessarily bad or good SEOs, but, but taking the work off people opens up their time, gives them yep. the chance to really be creative, to figure out what else they want to do. You know, I think it was at one time, what, 99.9% .9 of the people on the planet were all farmers. And then yep. we, we suddenly had like farming tools. And now I think it's like less than 1% of people actually do farming and that still feeds every, well, mostly everyone. So I, I, I view it more in that sense, like people will find other things to do. Maybe they'll, they'll, you know, figure out like really creative content strategies or, or link building ideas, or just have time to go talk to these other teams to integrate better. Yeah, it's it's not that you still won't have work to do, but like some of the things that people hate doing are, are time consuming, like writing titles, meta descriptions, uh, doing redirects, internal links. A lot of that can really be automated and hopefully will be soon. I guess my, my question just on the whole automation piece, especially as we go into next year and people start to put all those articles together about, you know, predicting the future of SEO and what it's going to look like. Do you think that the products and the software that's at our disposal will ever get to the point with so much automation that it will almost make SEOs, actual human beings, redundant? Do you, do you think that's the future or that's where we're going? Unless Google stops or prevents SEO from impacting their algorithm in any way, I don't see that happening. At least, at least in the near future. I mean, there's going to be cool stuff. Like I mean, there already is, like GPT three for content creation, writing articles for you. But you know what? It gets a lot of facts wrong. Doesn't always sound the best. So like, it's not going to put content writers out of a job tomorrow. Uh, it will make their job easier. It can, you know, ease. It can very well make uh, outlines for you, or even give you a base of the content that then you can improve. Or you know have that have time to go talk to that expert get their expert insights add that to the article so it's going to be different but i don't think you're just not going to have a job at all i i tend to think the same way russ i like that farming analogy you used before because it's not like now the tools do the farming for you it's they help you get more done so they increase your efficiency they allow you to cover more territory and essentially produce more than you would have otherwise been able to if you were just stuck back in the old days with all the manual tools, right? So 
I think that SEOs need to continually adapt and make better use of the products. So like the, uh, the AI for content, for example, as you said, it's a little bit clunky, but at the same time, what is AI plus a human being kind of proofreading, tweaking, editing? What does that look like for the content process? Can you get more done if you rely on the tools, but not totally rely on the tools versus whether you just do all of that yourself manually? I tend to think that you probably can. And as the tools get better, you can you can essentially get more done at a, at a higher standard than you could before. Oh yeah, because let's say you've, you're given some arbitrary deadline, like five hours to do an article. Well, if a machine like spits out something and you've you've got a halfway decent article, then now you've got you know five hours to improve. Versus, I spend five hours writing, zero time editing, improving. Uh, I think you're going to end up with a better quality product and better quality work by just being more efficient, I guess. How interesting. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm conscious of everyone's time, your time, Patrick. So we're going to head into Gabe's Vox Pop. So he's got some quick fire questions for you. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you to it, Gabe. Go for it. All right. This is going to be thick and fast. Which previous Google algorithm change still keeps you up at night? The, the very first Penguin. I was a freelancer at the time. And man, businesses just closed overnight. Like that was that was painful. I would say, probably speaks to a lot of my old practices because it was painful. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it really was punitive from Google, and I, I'm I'm really glad they kind of went away from from that style of algorithm update. Gun to your head. What do you prefer, content or links? Content. I had a feeling you might say that. Uh, what's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Probably the easiest with the most impact is going to be internal link building. You know, page rank passes page to page, period. If you've already got pages on your site, strong pages, you're already talking about things, adding the links there is uh, a lot easier than, than doing any kind of outreach or external link building. The skyscraper technique, is that still relevant today? I think it was relevant when he got rebranded to Skyscraper. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think it's always going to be, it's it's just, you know, making better content. It's if, Actually, if you look in the SEO space, it's really competitive as far as the content because someone makes something better, someone else one-ups them. Someone else <laughs> one-ups them. And uh, everyone just has to keep improving their content and doing, you know, finding a way to get links, whether it's outreach or, or if it is naturally just by having uh, interesting quotes or interesting statements. But that, I think that process will always be a thing. What do you love most about SEO? Uh, it's, it's always interesting, something different. It's kind of a game, figure out the puzzle. It's like a big chess game, isn't it? Awesome. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Man, what are, I don't even know what SEO principles <laughs> would be. <laughs> Do I have a life outside of SEO? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that one. It's definitely a tricky question, that one. I, I can't imagine you've been asked that one before. Work from home life, office life, or hybrid life? What do you prefer? You know, I think pre-pandemic, I would say like work from home, but that's because I could still like go out to meetups and get a beer. I found that uh, during the pandemic, straight work from home without social interactivity was rough, really rough. Uh, so I think I think a hybrid or at least like work from home as long as you can still get out of the house and talk to people is, is good. 100%. We're just starting to slowly reopen our office now. The amount of people who just want to have a chat, <laughs> they just want to talk to another <laughs> human being, I think. 
Samurash Ahrefs or Moz, but I have a feeling that there's a little bit of a bias here. Would I be right? Yeah, probably. I mean, honestly, I've used all the tools. I don't think you can really go wrong with Ahrefs or Samurash these days. They each have their own strengths. Uh, I haven't used Moz in a long time, so I can't really comment on them. They did some cool stuff with like their keyword research thing, and that's about the last time I tried them. <laughs> All but right. If you, well, you got to choose one, Ahrefs. <laughs> there you go. I think a lot of SEOs will probably have multiple tools because why not, right? If you can afford it. Yeah. Um, agency, in-house, or a combination? Uh, tool vendor. <laughs> Is that an option? Yeah, I guess I'm said house sort of. Brilliant. All right, throw it over to you, Russ, for final wrap-up. No worries. Patrick, thanks so much for joining today. Awesome information, great conversation, great stories. Really appreciate your time. For, for those that are listening, if you want to yeah, just learn more about SEO and, and be around someone who's been around the traps, I love how honest you spoke about even just like, you know, the original Penguin update all the way through IBM through till now. Amazing. Patrick's just check him out on LinkedIn. We didn't even get to your resume because the conversation was so good, but you've won a bunch of awards, US search awards. My favorite line in there is helping define the role of search marketing strategist for the US Department of Labor. Now that's like, as far as SEO goes, that's, uh, that's legit. So Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's been, been a fun conversation. Excellent, excellent. As I said earlier, if you've enjoyed it, jump on, give us five stars. We're at this every fortnight, SEO success stories. Gabe, thanks again. Thanks so much. That was awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Patrick, for coming on.